0: You're listening to Discovering Christmas. I'm your host, Dan Goshi, and our podcast is presented by Cool 103.5. In this episode of Discovering Christmas, we're going to take a look at some of the traditional parts of Christmas that perhaps we just accept and uh, never really question, but there's history behind some of these things and some variations in in the way Christmas is celebrated. So let's begin, first of all, by uh, talking about when Christmas is celebrated. Now, if you have celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the 24th and 25th of December all your life, you're wondering, what do you mean, when do we celebrate? Of course, that's, that's Christmas. Uh, um, but uh, in some churches and in some uh, countries, the tradition is a little bit different. Some Orthodox churches in Russia, Serbia, Jerusalem, and other countries uh, use the old Julian calendar, and the people in those churches actually don't celebrate Christmas until the 7th of January. That's Christmas Day there, uh, and for those peoples. And uh, in Armenia, the Apostolic Church celebrates Christmas January 6th, which is also the date that they celebrate uh, Epiphany. And we'll talk a little bit more about, what is Epiphany? What, I've never heard of that before. If, if you haven't heard of Epiphany, we'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, in just a second. Before Christmas, there's a period of time that many Christians observe called Advent. And this is a time of preparation, preparing themselves, uh, getting ready to celebrate the joy of Christmas, When Christians celebrate the birth of Christ, the word Christmas means Christ's Mass. It is the special Mass on that day in the church in which uh, the birth of Christ is celebrated. Christ's Mass, Christmas. Advent is uh, right before that, normally a period of about four Sundays and about four weeks, give or take, uh, before Christmas. Some Orthodox and Eastern Catholic churches, Advent lasts for 40 full days, starting on uh, November the 15th. And uh, then in the Orthodox churches, which celebrate Christmas on the 7th of January, Advent, that period before, that preparation time before Christmas, starts on the uh, the 28th of November in those churches. And then there's this period between, uh, well, after Christmas. Uh, it's actually during Christmas, but a lot of people refer to 25th as being the beginning and end of Christmas, and any uh, the 26th of December and beyond is after Christmas. Christmas is over in their mind. Not true, though. Not true. Christmas begins on uh, December the 25th, or Christmas Eve on the 24th. And then there are 12 days of Christmas that run to epiphany. I said I'd get back to uh, that particular word, epiphany. What is that? Well, traditionally, Christmas celebrations, and often a great feast, started, as I mentioned, on Christmas Day. And these celebrations lasted for 12 days. They were known as... Yes, the twelve days of Christmas, and these celebrations finished on the evening of uh, January fifth, better known to many as Twelfth Night, in history. Now, throughout history, the twelve days of Christmas were a time of uh, of feasting and and fun. Um, special breads were made with nuts, dried fruit. They were served specifically, reserved for, and served on this one night a year, this Twelfth Night. And they were called twelfth cakes. You can sometimes uh, run across uh, that terminology when you read, for example, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol and things like that. They'll refer to something called twelfth cakes. Well, twelfth cakes, uh, what we call them now is fruitcake. That's that's basically where we get that tradition of fruitcake. Following Twelfth Night... On the 5th of January, then on January 6th, that is the day of Epiphany. This is the day that people remember the wise men, sometimes called the uh, three kings or the magi, who, uh, who visited Jesus when he was a baby, and uh, also the baptism of Jesus when he was an adult is celebrated often on uh, Epiphany as well. Twelfth night is uh, uh, traditionally a time to take down your Christmas decorations, although some people uh, leave them up until Candlemas. Have you ever heard of the word Candlemas before? Candlemas Day. Uh, w- well, here's the deal. Um, Easter has a a forty day preparation period called lent and then a forty day Uh, or 50-day celebration of Easter afterwards. Christmas is like that. There's generally a four-week or a 40-day, depending on your religious uh, practices uh, preparation before Christmas. And then the period of time from December 25th on is a 40-day period of celebration uh, afterwards. Now, that goes beyond the 12 days of Christmas and beyond Epiphany. And so, 40 days after Christmas is a day called Candlemas. Candlemas, like Christmas, uh, meaning Christ's Mass, Candlemas means Means candle Mass. It's uh, known as the Presentation of Jesus in the Temple. Is another uh, day that is celebrated. That day, the Feast Day of that, the Feast Day of the Purification of Mary, all are celebrated during this uh, this Candlemas time. When some Christians uh, remember the time when Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to the Jewish Temple in Jerusalem to give thanks to God for giving them a son. Now, the name Candlemas comes from Candle Mass, and that is because um, in, in many Candlemas services, the The candles are blessed, those candles which would be used in churches during the coming year, or candles are blessed and given out to people for them to use in their own homes and uh, for private prayers and private devotions and things like that. In many Eastern and uh, Orthodox churches, an all-night vigil is held on the night before the candle blessing ceremony and then in the morning the candles are blessed and given out to people so Candlemas by the way uh, we we do celebrate that in the United States Uh, we celebrate that day Um, by and large in the secular world we call it Groundhog Day Candlemas is February 2nd so technically speaking if you're gonna celebrate uh, Christmas um, traditionally and appropriately it would begin, not end, on December 25th. It would run at least through January 6th, Epiphany, and preferably you would still have your decorations and uh, be in the spirit at least until February 2nd on Candlemas Day. Some of the other things that uh, you may or may not have thought about uh, for Christmas time: How come some people call it Xmas, or at least in writing they refer to it as Xmas instead of Christmas? And some uh, others are, others are saying, "Hey, you're taking Christ out of Christmas. That's wrong. That's wrong." And, uh, you know, if they really understood what that X meant, they would realize that's actually a more reverent way, um, a more God-fearing way of referring to Christmas. It's still pronounced Christmas, but to write the Xmas instead? Well, let me tell you a little bit about that. You have to understand a little bit about the Greek language and alphabet in order to really understand the uh, the sacred beauty of writing x on on uh, 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 whatever document you're writing in. Now, the letter that looks like an X is the Greek letter Chi, which is the first letter of the Greek word for Christ, Christos. The early church used the first two letters, oftentimes, of Christos in the Greek alphabet, chi and Rho, to create a monogram symbol that represents the name of Jesus, and it looks like an X with a P on top of it. And so... Xmas can also mean Christmas, but it should be pronounced Christmas rather than Xmas. I suppose you could call it uh, Chimus if you like, but uh, that's what the X stands for. The X stands for Christ. You you cannot take Christ out of Christmas by writing Xmas down. So people that uh, are sensitive about that might be good for them to, to understand the origin of that. Now that doesn't mean everybody who uses Xmas has that origin in mind, but it's just a little little something for you to uh, to be aware of. Let's talk a little bit, as long as we're talking about some of the uh, the religious aspects of, uh, of Christmas, I want to talk about uh, St. Nicholas, the uh, figure from which we derive Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, and a little bit about the Christmas stocking. St. Nicholas was a bishop who lived in Asia Minor. He was uh, in the 4th century. He was a very rich man because his parents died when he was young and left him a lot of money. So he was also a very kind and generous man. He had a reputation for helping the poor and even giving little secret gifts to people who needed it. Uh, There are several legends about St. Nicholas. Uh, The the famous story about St. Nicholas, one of the most famous stories about him, tells how the custom of hanging stockings to put up uh, presents, first started. And it goes like this. There's a poor man. He had three daughters. Uh, this guy was so poor, he did not have enough money for a dowry so that his daughters could get married. A dowry is uh, a chunk of money or, or, or possessions or treasure of some kind paid to the bridegroom by the bride's parents on the wedding day. This still happens in some countries, this tradition, even today. Well, one night, uh, Nicholas secretly dropped a bag of gold. Now, there's conflicting reports did he throw it through a window or drop it down the chimney? We're not sure. But it went into the house, and uh, that meant that this bag of gold would help the oldest daughter to uh, to get married. So she wouldn't have to uh, resort to a life of um, easy virtue, let's say. And uh, and she was able to get married because she had this dowry that could be paid to the bridegroom. Well, apparently the bag fell into a stocking that had been hung by the fireplace to dry after it was being washed. Well, this was repeated later with the second daughter in that family, and finally uh, determined to discover the person who had uh, given them the money, the father secretly hid by the fireplace every evening, until he finally caught Bishop Nicholas dropping a bag of gold, and uh, Nicholas begged the man, don't tell anybody what I'm doing. He would like to remain anonymous and and keep it under wraps. Uh, He didn't want to bring attention to himself. A very humble man, but soon the news did spread, and uh, and when anyone received a, a secret gift, it was oftentimes thought, oh, maybe it was from Nicholas. Maybe it was from Nicholas. So, say Nicholas was exiled, later put into prison during the persecution of uh, Emperor Diocletian. Uh, no one really knows when he died. But uh, they do believe uh, it was on December the 6th in either the year 345 or 352. To the best of historic knowledge, that's when it happened. And uh, December 6th, by the way, is still celebrated as a uh, an optional memorial in the church. St. Nicholas Day is December the 6th. Talk a little bit now about uh, Christmas trees, as long as we hit the stockings and things like that. The uh, evergreen fir tree traditionally has been used to celebrate uh, winter festivals going back to pagan and Christian times both for thousands of years. Uh, Apparently, pagans used uh, branches of of, uh, evergreens to decorate their homes during the winter solstice period. Kind of made them think of, of spring to come and and the hope of new life here that uh, that would eventually uh, uh, come around. Romans used fir trees to decorate their temples at certain festivals, uh, for example, and uh, Christians use it as a sign of uh, of everlasting life with God. Kind of re- reference back to the the tree uh, that, uh, that 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 brought men uh, their demise, I suppose, in the Garden of Eden. Now nobody's really sure. Uh, When fir trees were first used as Christmas trees, probably about a thousand years ago, though, in northern Europe, uh, many early Christmas trees seem to have been hung uh, actually upside down from the ceiling using chains hung from chandeliers and lighting hooks and things like that. Uh, The first person to bring a Christmas tree into a house in the way we understand it today may have been back in the 16th century century. The German preacher Martin Luther. The story is told that one night before Christmas, he was walking through the forest and looked up to see the stars shining through the, uh, the tree branches. And he thought, boy, that is so beautiful. So he went home and told his kids. It reminded him of Jesus who left the stars of heaven to come to earth at Christmas. Now, there's another story that says it was St. Boniface. Uh, that uh, left England, uh, traveled to Germany to preach to the pagan German tribes and, and convert them to Christianity. He is said to have come across a group of pagans about to sacrifice a young boy while worshiping an oak tree, and so, in anger and to stop the sacrifice, uh, St. Boniface is said to have cut down the oak tree, and to his amazement, a young fir tree sprang up from the roots of the oak tree. St. Boniface took this as a sign of the Christian faith, and his followers then would decorate the tree with candles, so that St. Boniface could preach to the pagans at night in Germany. The first Christmas trees were decorated with uh, with edible things, uh, gingerbread gold covered uh, apples. Then, eventually, glassmakers started to make special ornaments, um, similar to, the, to what we know today. In uh, Back in about 1605, an unknown German wrote, and I quote, At Christmas, they set up fir trees in the parlors of Strasbourg and hang thereon roses cut out of many-colored paper, apples, wafers, gold foil, sweets, etc., at first, it was a figure of the baby Jesus was put on the top of the tree as the tree topper. Over time, that changed to an angel or a fairy or uh, the angel that uh, told the shepherds about Jesus, or even a star like the wise men uh, saw. Whether you identified it as an angel or a fairy, depended on your uh, religious background there. Uh, the first Christmas trees came to Britain sometime back in the 1830s, and they became very, very popular in about, oh, in the middle of the 1800s, 1840-ish, somewhere in there. Prince Albert, the Queen Victoria's German husband had a Christmas tree set up in Windsor Castle in uh, 1841. Then in 1848, uh, uh, the Queen's Christmas tree at Windsor Castle was, was uh, a drawing, was published in the Illustrated London News. The, the drawing was republished in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia back in December of 1850. They removed the Queen's crown, though, and Prince Albert's mustache to make it look more, uh, more American on this tree. So that's kind of how Christmas trees got into the picture. What about tinsel? Ever wonder about that? There's a legend of the Christmas spider. Perhaps you've heard of this. Tinsel, by the way, was created in Germany. It was actually made of metal originally. Uh, there were also fo- folk stories about how tinsel was created by a Christmas spider. Now, various versions. Of, there's various versions of this story, and uh, and they're they're all probably one just as credible as the other as far as the uh, tradition goes. But all of the ver- versions generally involve a poor family who cannot afford to decorate their tree for Christmas. So they bring in this Christmas tree, the kids go to sleep on Christmas Eve, and that night a spider covered the tree in cobwebs. Uh, on Christmas morning, the cobwebs magically turned into silver and gold strands when the sun uh, hit them, and that decorated the tree. So that's kind of the tradition or the, the legend of the uh, the Christmas spider and the origins of tinsel. Some versions say... Uh, that uh, it's the light of the sun that, that changed the cobwebs into silver and gold. Other versions just say it was St. Nicholas or Santa Claus or Father Christmas who who changed the uh, um, spiderwebs into silver and gold. So there's a few different legends uh, there. As long as we're talking about greenery and uh, deck in the halls and whatnot, how about mistletoe? Well, mistletoe is a plant that grows on a range of different trees. It grows on willow trees, apple and oak trees. The tradition of hanging this, uh, this this plant in the house is going to go back to the times of the ancient druids. Supposedly, it the it uh, mistletoe possessed m- mystical powers, which would bring good luck to the household and and would help to ward off evil spirits. It was also used as a sign of love and friendship in Norse mythology, and that's where the custom of kissing under the mistletoe comes from. Uh England is kind of where that originates. The original custom was that a berry was picked from the sprig of mistletoe before a person could be kissed. When all the berries were gone, there'd be no more smooching. Uh, the, the name mistletoe, by the way, comes from two uh, Anglo-Saxon words. Missile, which means dung, poop. And uh, tan, which means uh, twig or or a stick. So you could translate (laughs) mistletoe as poo on a stick if you you really felt that that was not necessarily romantic, but, you know, poop on a stick. There you go, sweetie. (laughs) Good luck with that. Uh, Other traditions that involve uh, the Christmas tree and ornaments and decoration, uh, the Christmas pickle. Now, this is a strange... A strange tradition, I think, and uh, really kind of unclear about, you know, how did this come up anyway? Well, the tradition of the Christmas pickle is is a very strange one. Um, No one is quite sure why this tradition exists, at least nobody that I could research. In the 1880s, the Woolworth stores started selling glass ornaments imported from Germany, and some were in the shape of various fruit and vegetables, and it seems that pickles must have been among the selection there. It was around that same time that uh, they claimed that the Christmas pickle was a very old German tradition, and that the pickle was the last ornament hung on the Christmas tree, and the first child to find the pickle on Christmas morning got an extra present. Well, that claim that it's an old German tradition seems to be total malarkey, and uh, not many people in Germany have ever even uh, heard of the Christmas pickle. But there are several other uh, rather far-fetched stories linking this. Christmas pickle this Christmas to or this pickle to Christmas, but it's uh, most likely that an ornament salesman with a lot of spare pickles to sell, one day, just kind of invented the legend maybe of the uh, of the Christmas pickle. I'll tell you what we have, we have one we have one on our tree at home we hide it and there's a whoever can find it hanging on the tree gets a, a special gift of some kind. So and we're German we thought it was a German tradition too, but in the research for this particular podcast, I discovered you know that may not be such a thing after all. Let's talk a little bit about the colors of red and green that are associated with Christmas. Evergreen plants, holly, ivy, mistletoe, fir trees, used for thousands of years to decorate and brighten up buildings during the, the long, dark winters, reminding people that spring would come, that winter would not last forever. Uh, the, the Romans would uh, exchange evergreen branches in January as a sign of good luck. Ancient Egyptians used to bring palm branches into their houses during the midwinter festivals. Many parts of Europe during the Middle Ages, um, paradise plays were performed. Have you heard of these? Often on Christmas Eve, they told Bible stories to people who could not read. And then there was the paradise tree in the Garden of Eden in the play. Normally it was a pine tree with red apples tied to it. So, uh, pretty much Christmas trees these days are the most common use of green at Christmas, but you find it everywhere. Uh, and then we talked about the red apples that were tied to the, uh, the paradise tree, uh, representing the fall of Adam in the, in those, uh, in those paradise plays red is also the color of holly berries that is said to represent the blood of christ when he died on the cross cross often referred to as a tree Uh, red is also the color of bishop bishop's robes such as that worn by saint nicholas who uh, and then became becoming uh, santa claus's uh, uniform as well Talk about the Yule Log. Have you heard of the Yule Log? Is that a tradition in your family? Well, the custom of burning the Yule Log goes back to and even before medieval times. Originally, it was a Nordic tradition. Yule is the name of the old winter solstice festivals in Scandinavia and other parts of northern Europe, such as, such as Germany. The Yule Log was originally an entire tree that was carefully chosen and brought into the house with great ceremony now the largest end of the log the big thick end of the of this tree was placed into the into the fire while the rest of the tree stuck out into the room this seems dangerous don't try it at home Uh, the log would be lit from the remains of the previous years log which had been carefully stored away and slowly fed into the fire. This whole tree was slowly fed into the fire, inch by inch, throughout those 12 days of Christmas that we referred to earlier in our podcast. Now, in uh, France, it it is a tradition that the whole family helps to cut the log down and that uh, a little bit is burnt each night. Now, if any of the log is left after Twelfth Night Epiphany, it is uh, kept safe in the house until next Christmas to protect against lightning. That's the tradition from way back then. In some parts of the Netherlands, this was also done, but the log had to be stored under a bed in the Netherlands. In, the Netherlands. in some Eastern European countries, the log was um, cut down not until Christmas Eve morning and lit that evening for the first time. The custom of the Yule log spread all over Europe, and uh, different kinds of, of wood are used in different countries. Now, in England, oak is traditional. In Scotland, it's birch. In France, it's Cherry. Uh, also in France, the log is sprinkled with wine before it is burned in the fire so that it smells nice when it is lit. One final note here before we wrap up this uh, particular uh, podcast of Discovering Christmas. Um, what's, what's the deal with some people's... Wh- why do we say Merry Christmas? We, we don't say Merry Birthday, Merry Fourth of July, Merry Thanksgiving. Um, you know, w- why is it that we use the word Merry For Christmas, we say happy birthday. And if you're in the USA in November and December, you might say happy holidays. Why do we say Merry Christmas uh, instead of Happy Christmas? Well, Merry Christmas rather than Happy Christmas seems to go back several hundred years. The first recording of this uh, phrase, Merry, being used for Christmas was in about 1534. 1534. John Fisher, who was an English Catholic bishop in the 1500s, uh, wrote a Christmas letter to Thomas Cromwell and uh, included this phrase, and this, our Lord God, send you a Merry Christmas. There's also the, uh, the carol, God Rest You Merry, Gentlemen, which dates back to the 16th century in England. Now, in the English language of the time, the phrase Rest You Merry didn't mean simply be happy. Rest meant to, to keep uh, to cause, to continue, to remain. So when they said rest, they were saying keep or, or remain. Uh, and Mary could be could mean pleasant or bountiful or prosperous. So you could write the first line instead of uh, God rest ye merry gentlemen. Uh, it might say May God keep you and continue to make you successful and prosperous, gentlemen. But uh, that would be hard to sing. So, uh, also the word "Mary" is also often uh, times um, uh, in olden days was used not for for joyful, you know, pleasant demeanor. That kind of Mary, it was uh, meant uh, as, a, as an idea of strength. Uh, and again, this, this goes back to the, the other um, uh, idea of keeping or continuing or maintaining. So uh, God rest you, Mary, might also mean um, may you rest in, in, in faith, in, in endurance, and, and in, in peace in that way. Mary. Christmas. All right, that's going to wrap up this particular edition of Discovering Christmas with Dan Goshi. I'm that guy, Dan Goshi. This uh, Discovering Christmas podcast is presented by Cool 103.5.